So we've all heard this statistic that in private sector, entrepreneurs, when they open their business after five years, 49.7% of them have failed. And after 10 years, 65.5% of businesses have failed. But I'm not sure if you know that in the corporate world, 80% of companies that existed before 1980 are no longer around. And another 17% won't be here in five years. That is a staggering statistic. And there are a lot of reasons behind that. But one of the primary reasons can be a lack of clarity in messaging. People aren't supporting the business because they don't find meaning in it or the meaning hasn't kept up with the times. So a great example of this is from Kellogg's and they made pep vitamins. I have no idea when this was, but I found this marketing campaign. And the advertisement says, so the harder a wife works, the cuter she looks. And then inset is a cartoon image and it says, gosh, honey, you seem to thrive on cooking, cleaning, and dusting. And I'm all tuckered out by closing time. What's the answer? And the wife responds with, vitamins, darling, I always get my vitamins. Okay, could you imagine that advertising nowadays, how it would just be ripped apart? But it was completely appropriate for the time. That's what was happening socially. That was what the expectations were in society. But if Kellogg's did not keep up with the times, they would have been out of business. Now, obviously, I've never heard of pet vitamins, so they are long gone. Another brand that has done messaging extremely well has been Dove. So when you think about Dove brand, it's around soap and it's about how to get clean. But they have taken the meaning and purpose of Dove so much further, especially for women. When you think of Dove soap, it's not just about, hey, this bar of soap can get me clean, but it's all around this brand messaging that Dove is instilling that women are beautiful. No matter what their size, their shape, they are beautiful regardless. That is messaging that millions of women are getting behind, and men too. They're supporting this larger purpose of the brand. And it's how the brand is distinguishing themselves and differentiating themselves from other brands. So while I've highlighted these two drastic examples of brand messaging, it really boils down to communication. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. So whether you're running a Fortune 500 company or whether you're a small business owner, whether you're a husband, a wife, a daughter, a son, this episode is absolutely for you because it's all about the essence of communication. Welcome to the Empower Podcast, sponsored by Momentum Partners. I am your host, Natalie Barron, coming to you from Los Angeles, California. This show helps you turn insights into action for powerful leadership growth. And I am so excited to have my next guest, Michael Liebowitz, on the show today. Michael loves language, especially how the language we use determines how we are understood. So he has a background in linguistics and behavioral neurology. What he does is he works with consultants, founders, and teams to help them communicate effectively 
so they can improve their marketing ROI, they can shorten their sales cycles, they can help everyone get to yes faster. So coming from a sales background, this is right up my alley. Michael is speaking my language, and that's probably why Michael and I have become good friends. We think a lot alike, and I just, I love everything that he does. And he really does help get his clients saying all the right things because he knows what parts of the brain are going to trigger the desire for us to want to say yes. And so he really uses his background in linguistics and behavioral neurology to help people do that. And before we dive into my conversation with Michael, I would love to give you the opportunity to say yes to yourself, to an investment in yourself. We have not announced this in over a year, but we have just opened up applications for our Women Leading Powerfully Leadership Lab program. And we are starting a new cohort in April. We are limiting it to 15 people. So get your applications in, make a deposit, secure your place in the program, because this is where powerful growth happens. So if you have been on the fence around investing in yourself, but you have aspirations of getting promoted, making a career change, if you have that little voice in your head that is sowing a lot of self-doubt and telling you that you can't do it, you're not qualified enough, now's not the right time, this is what that program is for. That program, the Women Leading Powerfully Leadership Lab, is all about helping you get the clarity and the confidence you need to take those giant steps. And it may be a sidestep, it may be a backward step, but whatever it is, I want you to have clarity on it. So reach out to us at natalie at momentumpartnersgroup.com and let us know if you're interested. Or you can go directly to womenleadingpowerfully.com and you can fill out the application and secure your spot. We would love to support you on your personal journey on whatever's next for you because you don't have to do it alone. So reach out, invest in yourself, and sign up for the program. Okay, now let's dive into my conversation with my friend and mind magnetizer, Michael Leibowitz. Michael, I am so glad you're here today. I have been looking forward to this conversation, and I cannot wait to introduce you to my audience. Well, thank you. Absolutely. Well, I would love for you just to get started and share a little bit about yourself, your career background, and sure. how and why you started Magnetic Mind Studio. Thank you. I'd be happy to. Let's start with the last one first, because I think that's... Uh... It's kind of like where the fun part is. The reason why I started this business, I've always been fascinated by language uh, and how we, more specifically, how we communicate and understand each other. The long version of the story literally starts in the first grade. If I just go through that story, it's going to take up the whole podcast. I'll just leave that there. So I've been curious about this for a very long time. I think what really sparked this business is after a career in brand adjacent work, right? Not strictly brand strategy, but working with branding agencies. And then studying behavioral neurology and a little bit of linguistics. I'm, I'm at a huge trade show, the International Houseware Show in Chicago. Think of a Bed Bath & Beyond 
mm-hmm. biggest one you've ever seen, then multiply that by at least 10. That's how big this thing is. And I'm walking that floor with a, a colleague of mine. We had invented a uh, product for the wine industry. And so that's why we were there. Okay. So we're walking around and he makes the comment, oh my gosh, half of these companies aren't going to be around in five years just because how poorly they were communicated. And I said, yeah, they they keep talking about their features and benefits. Like they keep saying, like we're at the, let's say we're next to the blenders area, right? Because there's, they group them all in the same chunks. Right. So you see blender company, blender, 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 right? And they're all saying, hey, it does this and then. And they all do the same thing. And I'm like, what's the difference? And I looked him in the eye. I said, yeah, they had only stopped talking about what the thing does and start talking about what the thing means to them. They'd all exist in five years and have a healthy audience. And then it hit me. Oh, my God. <laughs> right? <laughs> this is something I need to do, that I need to educate and change the conversation. And this is my deep uh, uh, you know, meaning of what I do. That my goal is to, business-wise, work with companies to change how they communicate to their audience and within the company to you know, teams and working together away from a transactional model and into a meaningful model because our brains are actually designed to say yes to meaning, not to the thing it does. And when we do that, I I stepped into a future world of a child who is growing up instead of what we have right now, which is being surrounded by the majority of communication, which is a lot of business communication Mm -hmm. that we are just absorbing in our daily life, which is all by my thing, by my thing, by my thing, which you can imagine influences one's brain to think of the world as a place of transactions, not just in buying a thing, but in all interactions, right? Right. Instead, what if we had a world where everyone, all these messages were instead saying, here's what I mean, here's my meaning, here's, my, here's what I believe is true. Would you like to join me over here? What a different world that would be and how we relate to each other and how we just do business, in fact. And, you know, I'm getting there one client at a time. Yeah. Well, I can share from personal experience because you worked with Lori and I, my business partner, Yeah. on a big proposal that we had and we needed to get the messaging right. And we we sought out your support and your help. And I will tell you that it changed everything for us, which is why I'm having you on the podcast, not only because you're, you know, you've become a good friend. But your messaging and how you do what you do is, I, I've never experienced anything like it. It's amazing. It's depthful. And it helps, like you said, it helps companies get to the gist of what they want to communicate and communicating it in such a powerful way Yeah, that it's really hard for people to say no, that they well, actually, I take that back. It's actually helpful for the right people to be saying exactly. yes. Nice, nice edit. Yeah, right. It's helpful yeah. for it. it it's niching down and helping the right people say, "Oh my gosh, yes, that is a no-brainer." And it's actually almost repelling yeah. to the people who don't want to be a part of it. And that's exactly what you want as a business owner. Exactly. The people, the the pain the butt clients. <laughs> look at this message and they know that they're that you're not a good fit for them. I was once asked the question, you know, how do you handle pain in the butt clients? And it wasn't the word butt they used. 
Um, <laughs> and I said, I, they just don't come into my world. I'm so clear in my business communication about what I'm about and who belongs here. They eject themselves. They just never even reach out to me. Yeah. Fine with me. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, Michael, give us some stories. Give us some examples of I know on on your website, there's an example of a plumbing company you worked with. I don't know if that's the example you want to use, but, you know, would love for you to just kind of share maybe a couple of client stories yeah. of kind of where they were and then where you helped them get to. Yeah. So real quick, my biggest win, like the biggest delta from where they started to where they ended up after working with me was a company that does data analytics. They are aiming at a very tight niche market, mutual insurance companies. Fortunately, they knew who their market was, right? But these guys are data analytics, very up in the head. The two words, data analytics, just to me, just like, <laughs> oh my God, that's a specific kind of person, right? Yeah, a specific kind I... of brain that looks at the world. Yeah, I glazed over when you said that. <laughs> yeah. Mutual insurance companies tend to be generation of family owned, very community oriented. And these types of companies have no relationship to data analytics whatsoever. They know what the dictionary definition of the two words is. Well, this company I was uh, hired me, they had started with a warm list from a colleague uh, who had connected them to some of the decision makers at these insurance companies. And they were at the end of that list and they knew they needed to go into cold calling. And they had no, they hired a marketing agency to help them out with that. And the marketing agency looked at their problem and how they were communicating all the stuff. This guy said, uh-uh, I can't help you. <laughs> you need to talk to Michael. I can get the word out there, but we don't know what the word is. Mm -hmm. And so I met with them. We got along great. So we started working together. Turns out there were six of these very smart, very intelligent data guys and gals who... We're all talking about the business six different ways because uh -huh. they didn't have a sales force, a small company. So everyone in the business is, is at some level responsible for working with a potential client, onboarding them, getting them to say yes. So they started off with two clients, I think, and in week five of talking to the third client. So we worked together and we figured out the framing of how to talk about this business in a way that made sense to them as data people, but also made sense to their client. I don't often need to go to the territory of metaphor with my clients, but this one, oh boy, did this need a metaphor? We crafted a way to talk about the business through metaphor that then drilled down to the specifics that within six months after working together, I got a call from the CEO says, just want to let you know we're celebrating client number 10. Wow. Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. So in about a year and a half, oh, let me just, <laughs> well, I'll, I'll leave this uh, for maybe another time. But in a year and a half, they had two clients, maybe a third. And then in six months, now they're at 10. That's incredible. So that was that was the big one. But that happens a lot in my business when a person goes, I need marketing. And the marketing person who knows about me goes, uh-uh, <laughs> you missed a step. Go talk to Michael and then come back here. Yeah. 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 Because what you're helping people and companies do is get the messaging Right. Yeah. And then it can be magnified. Exactly. Right. But yeah. you have to have the right. And I love what you said. You know, they didn't they they wanted to get the word out, but they didn't know the word. Exactly. 
I love that you said that because that's exactly what you do. You're so good at it. And I would love for you just to okay. share a little bit about, you know, kind of your background in training and, mm-hmm. and and peek under the hood in terms of how you do what you do. Thank you. So my background is in behavioral neurology and linguistics. And that sounds pretty academic and did a lot of studying. But honestly, it's really about how human beings understand each other. And that, to me, is what it's all about, is how do we create understanding between two people, which is really what, to me, all marketing and all sales is really all about, and how teams work together, and how office or business environments work. And back to my big picture of communicating from a standpoint of meaning rather than transaction. How do we really understand each other? I didn't know it until probably a few years ago. But my entire life and the career path I've had have been a quest to understand this dynamic. How do we really understand each other? Uh On a very human level, not just on the academic, I understand what you said. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I want to know like, like, what do you mean by that? What do you mean by what you said? Now we understand each other. Yeah. Well, and I I, I think it's why you and I connected right off the bat in in terms of just you know, talking about our businesses and talking about what we do, because uh-huh. from a purpose perspective, you and I are very aligned in helping people yeah. communicate better, communicate with more meaning, communicate more purposely. And then underneath that is around this piece of human connection and wanting people to to communicate better so they can connect more. Yeah. And so would love for you just to to share you know, I work with teams a lot and mm-hmm. with your background and your understanding of human behavior, would love for you just to talk about, you know, what is clear communication and and how come on teams in the work environment and even obviously at home, yeah, how, how come we miscommunicate and misunderstand each other? So this is Okay, this is how the whole thing works. Now again, <laughs> behavioral neurology, so there is a there is a some some academic going on here. Here's what happens when two people in the communication cycle or pathway. So before the words come out of your mouth, you have an idea of what you intend to communicate. Before you say anything, what has happened in fractions of a second is that your intention got filtered through your belief system. That is to say, it is your model of, how, of the world and how it works, the rules by which the world works. Sure. Which, by the way, we all settled on for ourselves by the time we were six years old. Uh, okay, so we're we're working with some imperfect <laughs> rule sets going on here. <laughs> Nevertheless, that's how we work. If you don't want this experience, and you should have incarnated as something other than human. Anyway, <laughs> so we filter it all through uh, our belief system, and that has many layers to it. But what is called the beliefs that in turn, determines the specific language we use to say what we had in mind. Because certain words mean to us certain, they make associations. Well, guess what? You're talking to a human being who's built the same way. So they hear what you said, and before they understand it, they're filtering the whole thing through their own belief system. Mm -hmm. Not the same as yours. And the meaning they get out of it is different from the meaning that you intended. 
This is how miscommunication works. It's amazing we communicate at all. The whole thing is literally a big game of telephone, right? When you're a kid. <laughs> it's true. Remember that? Yeah. But all, all of it's happening between two people or more than two people. And it's all going on internally, which is to say that the essence of clear communication isn't to focus on what I intend to communicate. It is to really be aware of and communicate what you believe about what you intend. Notice how this thing that is the same on both sides of that art, that pathway, is you have a belief that you're filtering through, they have a belief they're filtering through. And if you communicate your belief, what happens is you give their, going to get nerdy here, you give their brain the appropriate belief through which they should be filtering. Hmm. Right? Rather than mm-hmm. they, they just pick the random one that they associate with the words. Right, which their experience of life was different than yours. So if you give them the belief that they need to use to understand you, understanding happens so much more cleanly and so much more clearly. So, hey, hey, I want to communicate X, Y, and Z. Include with that because I believe, or I'm saying this because, which is another form of belief, that gives them the, fil- the appropriate filter they need to select <laughs> to understand you. Right. And that makes so, sense. Yeah, it, it does make sense. So I want to I want to solidify it into yeah. an example. Okay. So it's year end, obviously a new start of a new year. People have just gone through performance assessments at work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So a lot of my leaders are getting ready in the next month or two to, you know, people have an idea of kind of where they ended the year. Some some companies do them at the end. Some people do them first quarter retroactively to last year. But, you know, typically bonuses are predicated on those. People are waiting for yeah. how they performed on the team. And a lot of people perceive that they performed higher than standard and that they should get, you know, an outstanding or an exceeds on their performance okay. rating. And then the boss, the leader who is listening to the podcast, yeah. has to give them the news and have the difficult conversation of, yes, you did perform well. And you're still getting a meets expectations, which is just average. Right. And so that's a, often a difficult conversation. And so how can we use the model that you're suggesting mm-hmm. to have that kind of communication go a little better? Okay. So this, the way you framed it is that this is happening an internal dialogue to the uh, uh, manager who's feeling like this is difficult for me. Is that right? This is, yes. this is a difficult conversation for me. Exactly. Yep. Okay. And they want to make it less difficult. <laughs> and I also think it's also a difficult conversation for the receiver because their expectations are something different. Right. Yes. Okay. What I'd say for that on the manager side uh, actually does not have anything to do with what I just said. It is your stance, your internal stance. The frame that you are holding in this conversation is the frame that it's going to be received. So if you're in a, oh no, this is bad news, then you're setting the frame, we're in a bad news frame here. If instead you perceive this as, I'm here to help you get better at being an amazing person at this work. Well, that's a different frame, isn't it? You're coming into it differently. Sure. I use the roller coaster analogy. Two people get on a roller coaster, they sit next to each other. Goes up, it goes down, does the thing. They come off. One person says, oh my God, that was the most thrilling thing ever. I loved it. The other person comes up and says, oh my God, that was the most scariest thing ever. I hate it. Yeah. Yet the ex- 
defend the facts of the event were exactly the same for both of them. Uh, it's how they perceived it and how they framed it that determined how the the experience they had of it. So are you in a, oh, no, I'm delivering bad news situation? Or are you in a, I'm going to help you be even better? And it starts with understanding where you are right now. Uh-huh. And in fact, and here's where it comes back to what I said before, is the belief system you're using to filter this You have to tell them what that belief system is. If you know that you're about to deliver a review that they're not expecting, you need to pre-frame it. We are here to view this not as a, you didn't do it right. We are here to view this as to, where are you now? And let's figure out how to make it so that you can get even better. Sure. Presuming they want to. (laughs) Right? Right. Again, the employee has agency or the other person has agency how they perform mm-hmm. it has to be a real intention not a con not a cynical sign like let's let's help you get better and you and you just you really you don't really care if they get better well that's on you <laughs> okay mm-hmm. but uh really good leadership is about wanting to your the people under you to get even better now what better means the con it's the context i don't i don't know whatever better means right. in the situation Right. You want right. you want you want the best for them. Oh, if you if oh, leaders out there, if you can vibe out even, this doesn't even have to be spoken. If in the essence and how you your bearing and how you approach everything is, I want the best for you. They are going to love you, and they are going to do. They are literally going to go the extra five miles for you. Yeah, and Michael, what you're speaking into is really resonating with me because what you're speaking into is around authenticity. And people can sniff that out a mile away. And, you know, it's interesting because in my old corporate career, you know, I had a boss who would be like, well, you know, feedback is a gift and say it really kind of. (laughs) I didn't believe that. (laughs) Right. And I, I would just be like, are you kidding me? Right. But then I had another boss that would say, you know, look, this feedback is really a gift. The, The words were exactly the same. Yeah. The framing, completely different. Completely different. Mindset, completely different. One boss was very condescending. The other boss was really wanting to serve and make that feedback stick and and help, you know, help people get better. People know the difference. Not only that. Okay. What your authenticity, this is what authenticity is. Human beings are really good BS detectors. Yes. And what I mean by BS, I mean belief system. Oh, from a very early age, before six years, we have already become pretty adept at recognizing when someone is saying something they don't actually believe. Ugh. Now, whether they're, it's not that they're being deceitful. Maybe they're just trying to get along. And as a child, you don't have the emotional awareness to make sense of it. You just sense that something's off. Mm-hmm. But we've gotten pretty good at it. So human beings are really, really good BS detectives. We are picking up on so many nonverbal cues. We can just tell. And that's what authenticity is. It's when the nonverbal cues are in alignment with what you are saying. And when you come to a difficult situation, my recommendation is to first look inward. And if you're nervous about it, like, why am I nervous? I want to hurt this person's feelings or I want to cause this or that. Well, notice that's on your map of reality. First of all, it it is not the outcome that is inevitable. 
So the question to ask yourself is more, okay, if this situation went the best possible way it could, what would that look like? How would it be received? Who would I be? This is the more important one. Who would I be in that conversation, right? How would I be behaving? (laughs) And if you can step into that frame and go, oh, that's who I need to be in this conversation. Let's go be that person. Now, you're dealing with another human being. How it's received, you don't know what was going on in their day, okay? You can only control your intention in that conversation. And getting back to what I said earlier, if your intention is, if you're coming in with, oh, this is going to be uncomfortable, guess what? (laughs) It's going to be really uncomfortable. (laughs) Yeah. But if you come in, we'll go back to authentic, that authentic belief system of, you know what? I'm here to help this person. I really want to help this person. How can I help them? And you can literally start off by saying, I came into this thinking, how can I help you? That's my intention here. And I mean that sincerely. And hopefully your behavior before this moment is in alignment with that so that like, this is the first time you've ever come across saying this. I don't believe you, says their, their brain, right? Right, right. That's going to pre-frame the situation. It's gonna, that's the belief system that you're delivering to them. Like, this is how we're both going to understand this communication. That's going to go so much better. Yes, Michael, I completely agree with you. And what I'm taking from this conversation is, you know, we have to check our own BS, right? Belief oh, yeah. system. I, I love that you reframe that as something <laughs> different than I thought you were going to say. Right. Is we really do have to check if, you know, what am I believing about this? Uh-huh. And is it true? Do I need to check myself? I also need to be conscious of of my beliefs going into those conversations. Yes. Right? So yes. I think that's the awareness and consciousness of of those beliefs prior to those conversations is really important. But but going back to kind of, you know, communication, messaging, mm-hmm. um, you know, we're, we, we've talked about how com- how companies can communicate their messaging so it lands better with the consumer. We've talked about how leaders and their teams can get along better and have difficult conversations, again, around communicating those beliefs, framing it from your yeah. own perspective, making sure you have the right intentions and being authentic. And I'm I'm curious to know, you know, what else do you help people and companies with with your services? Because I know I know sure. you have a, a lot that you do. So I had to have this pointed out that about several years ago. I was saying to a, a colleague of mine, I said, "Oh yeah, I just worked with this company. Had about nine senior executives in the room. Like the the CEO, the senior VPs, and their directory, their one direct report, or the highest up. We were working on." The messaging, but the core messaging of this business, because they were going through a huge new launch, new marketing, the whole thing, or re- revamping the whole thing. So they hired me to help them out with that uh, core value proposition, market positioning, all that stuff. Afterwards, the CEO took me aside and said, Michael, I want to thank you for that. We hired you to help us with messaging, but the stuff we covered today is this core who we are type of stuff that I got to tell you, we've been arguing over for the past five years. I'm not talking arguments like disagreements. I mean, that person over there, they almost left the company over this. And I said, okay, yeah. He said, but you got us all understanding each other and agreeing on the thing, on the core thing in two hours. You want to like, how did you do that? And I said, well, training, blah, blah, blah. I thought, this team cohesion of everyone who was rowing in different directions, thinking 
that they're saying the same thing, that we're all on the same page. And obviously they weren't because they were arguing. And now they're all in sync with each other and no one's feeling like they had to compromise or get left out. I'm, I'm telling this to a colleague of mine. And he, this guy is a CEO coach, right? He works with like really top performing CEOs and such like that. And his eyes are getting wide. He's like, Michael, that's a big deal. And I'm like, is it? To me, I thought it was a side effect of doing messaging, right? It's like, no, 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 that's a big deal. So the more I looked into it, the more I discovered that was a big deal. And so now I do that. Clients hire, people hire me, usually the small end of mid-market. But uh, when they notice that in particular sales and marketing teams, but also product teams and, and, and customer relations teams and such like that, when they're arguing about what to do and how to essentially talk about themselves and how to, what they don't know, but understand the business the same way, they hire me to come in and apply my methodology. And by the end of it, I get all these different teams who are working in silos. Now, remember from the customer point of view, that's not a silo. It's one company, right? Right, right. But there's like these two personalities talking to me, the marketing personality, the sales personality, the customer relationship personality, right? I get them all aligned in a really authentic way that doesn't cut anyone off at the knees or feel like they had to let go of anything. Um, because there's always a middle of the Venn diagram that everyone shares, or there's what I call the meta frame, the big picture idea that y'all can t- are contained in, but y'all been talking about your part of the forest. Mm-hmm. You're in the forest. <laughs> Let's talk about the forest. <laughs> right. And once we do that, oh my gosh, the sales and marketing team are no longer like pointing fingers. They're actually working together. In fact, now marketing knows what kind of resources the sales team needs to do their job and the sales team knows exactly what to ask for marketing to help them do the job. And the language that marketing is using to bring in the client is aligned with the language that the sales team is using to land the client. Mm-hmm. Because marketing is talking generally and sales are talking specifically. Sure. Those are two different ways of communicating. Yet this, from the customer point of view, it's supposed to be one entity, one person, if you will. That's our neurology doesn't care that you're a company. Our neurology sees that business as if it were another human being. Yeah. And so imagine you're talking to someone who is one way in one context and a completely different person in another context. <laughs> like, it's scary. Get me out of here. <laughs> Our brain goes, no way. I'm not going to buy from you. But they're capturing more sales. Yeah. Well, I mean, because, you know, when you when you hear that differentiation, it it's all of a sudden inherently goes to this lack of trust, right? Yeah. You know, and trust is a big issue. Let's talk about trust for a second. Yeah. Here's the neurology of trust. When a potential client first gets introduced to your business, there's a part of our brain called the critter brain that is taking over. It's the first part of our brain that decides whether or not to proceed with you or not. And this part of our brain does only two things. It does emotions and it does survival. It's literally, and I mean that word literally, it is literally assessing whether you are survivable or not. Are you survivable or are you a potential threat to my survival? And no one ever in the history have ever bought anything when this part of their brain is like thinking, well, if we do this, we're going to die. Right. <laughs> that, that sale's never going to happen. You don't even want to get to that sales conversation. So you have to actually speak to this part of the brain that's assessing survivability. And there's a whole way to do that. 
But this is the foundation of trust. This is what's really going on. This is the neurology of trust. It's this assessment of are you safe or not safe? And there's a way that a business, and even a human being, but in this case, we're talking business, there's a way to communicate about yourself in a way that signals safety in just the right ways to just the right clients. And this is what we were talking about before. And to the people who are not the right clients, their brain goes, "Uh uh-uh, not safe. I'm out of here. They eject themselves out of the equation. You're right. This idea of trust is really important. And they say that they have to know, like, and trust you. Right. And usually the people say like, oh, it takes seven touch points for them to say yes. Like we have to build the trust. Like, uh uh-uh, you don't have to wait that long. Seven touch points. That whole thing is basically after the seventh time interacting with you and I didn't die, says this part of the brain. Okay. I can be assured now that on the eighth, ninth, and 10th, I'm not going to die as well. That's where the trust begins. Instead of that, going back to my original point, if you simply told your audience what you believe is true, because that's what this part of the brain is looking for. Do we share the same belief system? If we do, you're survivable. If we don't, you're a potential threat to survival. So if you're very clear about your belief system, and the the best brands in the world do this, you, you can short circuit that seven touch points to three or fewer, right? Depending on the other parts of the psychology of the person you're talking to. Apple does this well, think different. Nike does this well with just do it. Other companies do this very well. And those, they've had their belief system sort of operationalized into a tagline, just fine. But they're signaling, we're the kind of people who think differently. If you're the kind of person who thinks differently too, oh, I share the same identity. I share the same belief system. You're a loyal Apple customer. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Nike says, hey, it doesn't matter how good you are. It just just get out in the field, just get on the court, just get out there. And if you're the kind of person, it's like, yeah, just get the hell out there and play the game. You like Nike. Adidas, if you like rap, <laughs> right? <laughs> or if you like like that social, that hip hop culture, then you're with us. And that's totally legit. It's a different belief system though. Yeah. So I'm curious because I believe so much in what you're saying. What do you do? And I realize I'm kind of bringing this back to teams. I know you're talking about company messaging and totally cool but you know but it's we're talking about trust in terms Mm -hmm. of how we're communicating whether it's we're an organization or whether we're a person yeah and my question to you is what do you do when you're working on a team Mm -hmm. with someone who has a different belief system because i think that's where things can get tricky on teams yeah in terms of you know talking about clear communication that's where curiosity comes in. They have a different belief system. I disagree with you, blah, blah, blah. It should be X, Y, and Z. Well, they haven't told you what their belief is. They're just telling you what the end result of that filter was, right? On their communication, like we talked about before, that filter cycle. The question to ask there is to say some version of, oh, what is it that makes you say that? Uh You want to find out what's underneath the statement they just made. Sure. Right? Or how come that's important to you? Oh my God. How come that's important to you is the baller unlock for a belief system. I use this question all the time in my work because the, the question, what's important to you, it tricks the critter brain. The critter brain wants to throw up all kinds of barriers, right? Because what if I'm seen? Oh no, right? Right, right. But what's important to you has, it's a, it's a low threat value interaction between two people. That's just what's important. 
It's not the only thing. It's just one of many things. So like, what's important to you about that? A, they feel heard. Everyone wants to feel heard. It aligns with what we call a baseline state in human beings and being accepted. But the natural result of that question is going to be a belief system or a window into their belief. This is important because X, Y, and Z. Now you can talk about that because and not about what they said. You're probably going to find some alignment on the because. So powerful. So powerful. And and such a connecting question, right? Yeah. Of, I mean, I, I talk about curiosity all the time on the podcast, yeah. in my coaching practice, and it's such a game changer, right? Because yeah. then we're not in a power struggle. We're actually <laughs> leaning in and trying to understand each other. But I love that question. It's so I powerful. I love that question. It is really powerful. It, there's, there's so much going on there. When someone says, says, I don't think it's that, it should be this. And you can say, oh, I want to know more. What's important to you about that? In there is the presupposition. It's coded language in the best possible way. In there is a presupposition. What you, your opinion, what you're saying has importance to it. Mm-hmm. Right? What's important to you about that presupposes this is important. But it also orients their brain to find what that important piece is, not the other pieces. And they'll let you know. So you've already said, yes, you are valid and it's important. Tell me what's important. <laughs> God, the critter brain or the parts of our brain that are six years old and younger <laughs> is really what we're, what's operating here. Yeah. And it's so true, right? We talk about mindset and yeah. just, you know, like you, if you're learning on the playground that either people are really nice or people are mean, Yeah. guess what? You're carrying that forward with you no. of... Hey, I'm gonna be, you know, a little bit. I'm gonna hold off because I don't trust people, or I'm all in. How many new friends can I make? Right? Right. Yeah. And it's yes, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of last words of wisdom do you have for my listeners before we close out our conversation today? One thing is that communication happens on the side of the listener every single time. The message they received is the message you sent, regardless of what your intent was in the first place. That's all that really matters. So it's always good to maybe check on that. Let's say you're, you're giving directives and you say, okay, does everyone understand what they're supposed to do? Yeah. I'm, so I'm, they, of course they're going to say yes. They don't want to look like, uh, no, I'm confused. I'm the idiot here. By saying, this is what we, this is what I believe. This is the frame that we're operating in. So everyone's oriented, but also understand that they had their own filters and you can ask them, okay, so we're all we're all clear that this is what we're going to the end result. Yes, I am. And if you're noticing that someone's not doing that, it wasn't because they're wrong. It's because they understood something you said in a different frame than what you had in your mind, but you didn't say it. But the frame was. So they had to make their own interpretation. So your only goal there is to align like, "Oh, how did you understand this?" is a great question. You're just getting curious about what their frame of reference of the world is. Yeah, I used to do that. I used to do yeah. that a lot with, with my kids. Like, yeah, yeah, mom, I got it. Yeah. And then I would say, oh, so I'm really curious. What are you taking away from this conversation? Boom. I love that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's the same thing of like, okay, you say you understand, but I just want to be clear, you know, what yeah. is your understanding? What is yeah. the key takeaway? Just tell me your version of what I just said. Yes. Yes. Yeah. What's your version of it? That is to say, like, by framing it as a version makes it okay. Right? There's I many, like that too. There's many ways to see this. I want to know which one you found. I love, I love that. And you know, what, what's your version of this? Because 
Yeah. I think it just acknowledges we all have a version, yes. right? My version isn't better than your version. I want to respect your version, but I really want to understand what your yeah. understanding is. And I think it's such an, a, a non-threatening way to ask that question. It's really yeah. beautiful. Really beautiful. Yeah. These are all questions that, that, go, that do not signal threat to the parts of our brain that are calculating threat. And a large part of our executive function in the brain is spent all our entire life calculating threat. <laughs> so uh-huh. it's, you ain't going to get around it. You got you to gotta work with it. Yeah. And, and I think you've given us some powerful questions and tools today to really understand how to do that. So thank you so much. Oh, you're I'm, so welcome. I'm really, really grateful. And um, how can people get a hold of you? Uh, they can go to my website, mindmagnetizer.com. There's even some cool downloadable things there, uh, including the neurology of yes, if you want to get a little bit nerdy, but I made it super accessible. I have a monthly workshop where we talk about messaging and, and all the neurology stuff. And you come out of it with much clearer idea of your message. And at the upper right of that uh, website, or if you want to actually talk to me, uh, links to uh, schedule a conversation. You can connect with me on LinkedIn. Although I, I'll be honest with you, I'm probably only on LinkedIn maybe once or twice a week. <laughs> so okay. not very much. Okay. Well, um, I will have all of this information in the show notes for my yeah, listeners. Sure. And I, I really do highly suggest that people reach out. If you, have, if you are running a company and you need help with your messaging, if you are you know, an entrepreneur and you need company, you, know, you need help with your messaging. If you're running a team and everyone seems to be rowing in different directions, yeah, and you need clarity on you know getting uh, the right messaging and making sure that everyone's is going in the right direction with their communication, super powerful, Michael. You again, you've helped us out, and I'm super grateful for all of your insights and your wisdom. You're so and your welcome, expertise. Natalie. So thank you for being here today. I had and a good providing... time. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for providing so much value for my listeners. I really appreciate it. Anytime. All right. We'll talk soon. Take care. Bye.